What's up, world? Welcome to the Melanin Money Show, the official destination for personal finance, entrepreneurship, and wealth building for melanin millionaires. We will teach you the tools, the tips, the tactics, the hacks, and strategies you need to learn to become financially free so that you can be the wealth starter and legacy lever for your family. And I'm your host, George Action Palm, accompanied by co-host Jacqueline Shattuck and Carter Cofield. If you're ready to begin your journey to become a melanin millionaire, tune in, take notes, and let's go. go. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. Now, if you're familiar with the Melanin Millionaires Club, this guest actually shouldn't be new to you because just a little over a year ago, he did, I think, our second ever um, class at the time, yep, right? Yep. Second ever class that we had to the Melanin Millionaires Club. And so we say, you know, we got to make it full circle and let an br- even broader audience be able to tap into some of the insights and game that he has uh, to present and share. Uh, this guest is someone that I've known, uh, I think, more than half my life at this point uh, since two, since 2001. Yeah, 2001. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a very, very long time. And so um, he's going to share a lot of insights with you guys today. Uh, I co-sign and can attest to uh, all the things that he's talking about because he's helped me tremendously in my business and my life as well. So no further ado, Kenny, how you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm glad to be here with you guys, man. Yeah. And hopefully we can share some good information for the for the audience that's going to be impactful for them. Did you know you was going to outdress everybody when you came here? I mean, I knew y'all was going to be fly, man. I just, so you know, it's it's like going to a home. wedding and, and then they tell you not to wear white. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you outdress the groom. Yeah, I was swagged out. What you talking about? <laughs> Just gonna leave the romance off camera. Like, oh, but no, man. I just see that. I was like, damn, bro. Y'all gonna make me sit next to him? I'm like, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Jackie came here with a chin or with the shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So, so, you know, one one word that comes to mind when I think about the things that you advocate for in your business is, is leverage. Mm-hmm. Right? So, most recently, you should, I think I got the email. I texted you about it. I said, what is this about? Um, How you basically flip 100 into. Four hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and you didn't have to use any of your own money to do it. Can yep. you tell us a little bit about like how how you did that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing most people need to I mean, most what's most I want to encourage most people to consider is leverage, right? And if you have a business, you know, I t- we talk about this concept called the wealth triangle, right? Mm-hmm. High income skill set, you know, cash flow producing um, asset. I mean, cash flow producing business, but then you've got money makes you money. So I was like, you know what? You know, I could invest my own cash, but I just got approved for this line of credit um, in my company's name. I said, hey, look, instead of me using my own cash, why don't I invest my own, invest this money into right. this head, into this particular investment and see what it right. does. Right. You know, because I was like, I want to get money to make me money. Like people talk about money making me money, but let's, let's, make, let's, let's, let's make it happen. Let's legitimately <laughs> do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what I did was, is, um, and this is right before I got approved for the house too. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and I didn't want the underwriters to see, hey, look, where's this money coming from? What's this hundred thousand and all of this? So I said, you know what? Let me go ahead, invest this money. I did it in the name of a trust, right? So it didn't have to affect my business account because you know those underwriters they're on you. And then that investment, February fifth is when I did it. From February fifth to about June first of twenty twenty two, if you're watching this in in the future, it turned from one hundred k to two hundred eighty three thousand dollars. That investment. So I was like, you know what? Let me take my hundred thousand dollars out, mm-hmm. pay back the line of credit, mm-hmm. right? Because I've essentially created money out of thin air. Right. And then now, from June until um, um, at the end of September, it turned to four hundred thousand dollars. So it would have been more. It would have been like, yeah, 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 six hundred something probably. Uh, if yeah. you didn't, but you, but you're smart because you covered yourself. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, but that investments don't necessarily always go up into the right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. correct. And if yeah, there is ebbs and flows, so I wanted to make sure, hey, look, you know, that I can pay the bank back. But the the moral of the story is that I created basically four hundred thousand dollars out of thin air because of leveraging the bank's money to make to literally make money. And the thing is, is that I didn't have to talk to nobody. I didn't have to speak to. No, I just used the bank's money, made the smart investment. They invested it. And then it started making money, and then I just I'm reaping the benefits. Right, right. Yeah. So the thing is, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate here just because I know you really well. Um, a lot of people talk about credit. Yeah. Business credit, personal credit. I, I mean, it's all over my timeline. Right. <laughs> I'm lying too. You know? So I guess not not to make you you know do a sales pitch or stay on why you stand out amongst amongst everybody else, but 
what is it that you've learned about um whether you want to start with personal or business credit that i don't that you really don't see most people talking about right or that, or that you really just serves you well in I'm, your journey i think that i think it's the i think the biggest thing is the mindset around it so at the at its um basics terms if you think about money money itself if you pull out a dollar bill it's actually legal tender and it's a debt so now once you start to really figure out okay that all of this stuff is just debt anyways if i want to leverage the bank's money i need to leverage it and put it into an asset that's going to make me more money right so i think to kind of sequently sequentially or um succinctly answer that question I think it's a mindset and understanding that financial leverage is like literally a lifestyle and it doesn't need to be a lifestyle that you do to flaunt. It could be a lifestyle that you do to help you make more money because that's how the wealthy truly make money. So now we're saying, okay, if I'm going to use my personal credit or my business credit, mm-hmm. let me use their, their um, resources, just like the kind of segue, random tangent, Airbnb, billion dollar company, Toro, million, millions of dollars, DoorDash, um, billion dollar company. All of these companies, you see where I'm going with this, have become mm-hmm. hundreds of millions or billion dollar companies using somebody else's food, real estate, and cars. Mm-hmm. When we really think about how money works and how credit works, I can literally, if I understand money and financial education, I can use their money, make smart plays, and then I can make more money for myself the same exact way all these other companies are doing. Right. So now it's like helping them realize, okay, once I have the correct structure and I have my profile, in the correct way, I can now leverage this strategically for my benefit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a big key as to what like most people are not talking about. Or if they're talking about it, they may not have the results in their own actual life. Because it's like a quick play. You know, I'm going to say this, do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they don't have like tangible results that they can justify right. themselves or their students. Method and Money presents Black Wealth Friday. On Black Friday, people of color spend more than $1.5 billion. We want to turn the largest spending day of the year into the largest wealth creation day of the year. From November 22nd to the 29th, we want you to join us in investing a small portion of your normal holiday spending budget into your future. Head on over to BlackWealthFriday.com for more details. It's Melanin Money's Black Wealth Friday. Turn your spending into investing for your future. What got you started in the credit space? Oh, man. This is a... <laughs> this is a... Um, I'm going to do my best to keep this short. Um, I think what got me... Give him the backpack. There's probably some other people that only know Kenny, the, now, the, the Fendied out, you know what I'm saying, Rolex is kind of tucked away right now. <laughs> humble, humble Rolex. They might only know that version of Kenny, and I think it really will be inspiring for people yeah. to kind of at least get some... However concise you can make it, we got time, but just like... I want to know. Yeah. That is a really good question. So um, back in like, I'm going to give you the clip notes version. So back in, in 2011, I think it was 2011, mm-hmm. um, George and I used to be roommates. And I think in 2010, I made like 70 grand. And I was like, you know, I want to make six figures, man. I'm like 24, 25 at the time. And then I put together this, short of it, I put together this business deal. And when you're a new entrepreneur, it's important to keep doing the daily activities and not get blinded by the big deal, mm-hmm. right? So um, I got blinded by the big deal. So I put all of my resources in this one particular deal, my credit, um, my savings, I leverage other people's money, and the deal was supposed to pl- make me $100,000 in one transaction. Well, the deal did not go through. <laughs> it did not go through. It got so bad, I couldn't even pay my half of the rent um, that month when we were leaving out um, of, of the apartment and George covered it. He was tight. Like, man, I, I, got, I got you, bro. But that's when I hit rock bottom, right? And then my credit went to trash. My car had went out for repossession. And then um, I remember um, moving, you know, moving out and then realizing that, hey, look, look, I got to get a job, right? I had to get a job and, you know, at a crossroads, I was like, I can keep trying to do this entrepreneur thing or I can humble myself, right? Still do the entrepreneur thing part time and then, you know, build my business. And along that journey, I trashed my credit. So that's like how I got into credit. So when I moved to Atlanta back in 2013, um, I literally only had a Mustang, which was a free possession, um, my clothes, 
and an ironing board, which I'm curious. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> ironing board. Gotta say fresh. Guys, it was up for repossession yeah. from North Carolina to Atlanta. To Atlanta. And, and that's why you didn't come, because you didn't want to get caught up in the... Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know what that's about, but yeah, but yeah. No, no she, she just joking, probably soon. why I didn't, because everybody's in Atlanta, I'm not in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's kind of like how, how it happened. And then I remember, I remember guys, like, legit, at the time, I knew about the whole business account. So I had four business accounts with PNC. And, you know, I you know because my credit was messed up, I had to put a huge security deposit down. Um, so, you know, I had just enough money to put a security deposit down. Job started on the 19th of January. Rent's due on the 1st, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, at a tight deadline, ain't it? Rent's due on the 1st. Typically, have like a check in the hole, you know? Right, and it was a check in the hole. So I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, so like, I legit, Jackie, I legit have to overdraw all my checking accounts with PNC because it was a business checking account. I figured out a hack that you can go and request money that you didn't have and they'll give you the cash. But unfortunately, they're gonna charge you $7 per day. So I literally, going to February 1st, 2013, I am broke. So I overdraw all my checking accounts and then, you know, I had to, you know, I had to sell. And then, you know, slowly but surely, I became the number one salesperson at that, um, that sales job, which is a hack. Any person who's an entrepreneur, if you hit rock bottom, go get a sales job so you can get yourself out of any type of situation because you can always sell yourself out of the hole. And that's what I did. So I walked away from the job in September of that year. Fast forward to 2014. I was doing my thing, selling insurance and doing the financial stuff on the side. And then I made my first six figures, 2015. And then at the time I was like, yo, I want to get my Series 65. But my my credit was preventing me from getting the licenses, mm-hmm. preventing me really? from with certain companies. And I was like, bro, how are you going to be a financial person and your credit jacked up? And then I realized just because you make good money, that does not mean it yeah. is equal to having good credit. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of like how I started the journey because everybody knew like a credit man. Oh, you got to talk to my, this, this credit dude, this credit <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I would talk to these guys yeah. and they would take my money. Yeah. <laughs> and they wouldn't do nothing. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get you right. I'm going to get all this stuff off your report, man. Just give me 350, 500 right now. Right. And then I'm going to send a letter. Yeah, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And, and yeah. they phone up. They, they phone up. Then they disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of like how I got into. So, so, so when I started researching and, and realizing, like, yo, I got to get this situated, I had messed around and figured out how they like um, get the negative items removed from my credit report, and this was diligent, and I improved my score two hundred twenty four points in about thirteen months, and that's kind of like how I got into the process, and not really thinking that anybody even would want to know any about this information, because at the time I was putting together my digital product for. I think it was the My Cash Clarity or some cash flow budgeting system. I don't know what it was. It was a budget blueprint or something. And I had put out uh, this information about credit and then I just put it on YouTube and it, it kind of went viral. And I was like, whoa, all these people need help with credit. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got into it. And at the time it was just KennyConwell.com and people were just buying my template. So that's how the journey started. This was like 2016, you know? Yeah. So, so it started out of necessity. It's like, mm-hmm. I need to do it because, you know, I messed up my situation. I got to do it for me. I'm trying to find help. Everybody's kind of scamming me so that right. I can go to them. So I have to learn it myself. And then once you did it for yourself and produce your own results, you've realized that you can probably produce these results for other people. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like how it happens. And a common thread that we always say, like on the podcast we had yesterday, is like problem solving. Right? So people overcomplicate entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if it's a problem for you, it's probably a problem for somebody else, mm-hmm. right? Not right. guaranteed. Obviously, you want to do your due diligence and all that kind of stuff. But like, if especially to your point, you put it out on YouTube, and that's what's taking taking steam is the, is that video. It's like, oh, well, people are interested in this, and you just address that problem. I think what's wrong with a lot of, or what goes wrong with a lot of entrepreneurs is they want to force fit the thing that they want to bring to the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. right? Versus right. like solving the problem that is in front of them, right? Because you can obviously do all the things that you want to do. The, cha- the challenge is, is it going to resonate with people? Are they going to buy it? Does it make sense? At the end of the day, business is a profit, a for-profit entity, right? Right. And if you don't, I think I heard, what was that? I heard, I heard somebody say, a bunch of people uh, chilling in the room, not getting the money is a non-profit. <laughs> 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 you got to be, you got to make money. You got to be profitable. Yeah. Um, uh, and so while I know you're the, you're an expert in, in all things credit, I think one of the underutilized things a lot of people don't know about is the business acumen uh, that you have when it comes to just the structure of companies, digital marketing, things of that nature. So 
maybe let's talk a little bit about like the evolution of that because you you started doing credit you had a low ticket offering that everybody could tap into and that kind of started you know the business journey for you that really was work that was taking steam right yeah. i remember we were out in cali i think maybe it was 2017 you showed me all the all the transactions oh, yeah, 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 uh i think you had 4300 customers or something like that at the time you, you right. go through a t like 4300 like customers like so tell us about the things that you've learned in the in in business in general that have been really really helpful um in your journey wherever you want to start there yeah so because it's funny that you said it because i was going to um chime in on what carter was saying about like out of necessity because i was selling insurance like i was straight up trapping insurance i'm being honest um i, I gotta be i gotta be yeah. very, very yeah, yeah for sure it's what we're here for uh, that's what i was doing like i, I was and i was tired of it I was making 10 to 20K a month selling insurance, and I would go to the hood, literally, I would go to the So uh, for those of you who are um, famous Atlanta people, you know Atlanta, you live in Atlanta, I know how to get from Chamley to, uh, to Cascade without getting on the highway. That's how much insurance I sold <laughs> <laughs> in the neighborhoods. But um, so, so I kind of, kind of, was tired of doing because I was I had to work I was I was I was sick of disrespecting myself for commissions, and I said you know what, even though this commission money is good man I want to be able to create a product that once I create it one time and people buy it it doesn't require as much of me. Mm-hmm. What's up guys? Have you ever been just like chilling on the couch and trying to find something to watch on Netflix, and you're browsing, you're scrolling, and you just can't seem to find anything that you either one haven't already watched or just doesn't seem that interesting? Well, I have the solution for you because if you're listening to the Melanin Money Show, then I know that you care about taking your financial life to the next level. And that's exactly why we created Financial Flicks. So instead of Netflix and chill, you can Financial Flicks and chill and you can find on-demand videos across personal finance, wealth building and entrepreneurship. And right now you can test drive Financial Flicks for just a dollar by clicking the link in the show notes. Go to melaninmoney.com forward slash financial flicks and check out all of the on-demand videos we have plus all the other features that you'll get access to by joining today and then that's when i learned about the whole digital product space and i had bought other courses on how to create funnels i bought courses on low ticket sales all this stuff um and what's interesting is i was applying those principles i learned in the insurance niche you know, I was just doing it from a direct response marketing standpoint to attract those more insurance clients. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of out of this. I'm tired of doing this. Let me just go ahead and, and start doing it for um, for this. And it was out of necessity because that year in 20, I think it was 2016, when I really had got into this, I think I made like 90K that year. It was like September. And I realized I had a business partner, business relationship that was, it was a good relationship, but um. A, a fun fact for you guys, entrepreneurs, I highly recommend that you only partner with somebody who is full-time um, in your business. Don't partner with somebody who is, they got a job too and you full-time because that can kind of be a little sticky. Yeah. Um, don't do that. You know, I did that <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, so anyways, so that year, um, that's what I did. And I walked away from that partnership. I walked away from like $40,000 in commissions. Right? A lot of people don't know this. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it was, it was 20 or 40. I don't know what it was, but it was a lot of commissions. It was between 20 and 40 k and I was like, yo, rent is due. Again. Mm-hmm. I was like, how am I going to make my November rent? Not again. Not again. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Right. And we're in October, right? Yeah. Beginning of the month. And I was like, you know what, Kenny? You didn't mess up your credit. You got this low ticket funnel thing that you've been working on, right? Mm-hmm. Let me put this out here. So I put, I, put, I put together the funnel and then I put it on a YouTube and then, you know, I got a sale. And then I got two sales, and then I got fifty sales, and then I started getting like twenty to thirty sales a day. What was the ticket on the, uh, on Ida? Um, it was nine dollars and forty seven dollars. It was a nine dollar product and a forty seven dollar upsell. I use low ticket, low ticket, low ticket, <laughs> low ticket. And I'm, I'm I'm over here, and I and I just when I launched it in October, I had just made enough money to pay my November rent, right? Mm. And then um, November came out, and then I started learning about Facebook ads because. In full transparency, I realized that Facebook was like, hey, bro, we'll, we'll let you start running ads if you, if you know how to run ads, because I bought a course on ads, and we'll let you spend up to $750 without charging you. And I was like, all right, cool, leverage. So I got, <laughs> I, I got like $750, yeah. you know what I mean? So I got to pay that, so I, I started running ads. And then 
I was getting sales for like two to three dollars on a nine dollar sale. So it became mm-hmm. arbitrage. Yeah, arbitrage. I was like, yo, let me keep running this. And then that's kind of like how I got into it. Like, and then I remember the numbers verbatim, but I just remember Christmas time driving up to DC with my parents because we did DC, we did Christmas that year at my sister's um house in DC. And I just remember looking at my Stripe account and having a three hundred dollar day. Looking at my Stripe account, having a four hundred dollar day. Yeah. Having a two hundred dollar day. I'm like, yo, I didn't talk to any of these people. Yeah. Like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how the journey started, right? So I think I do remember this January 2018, I believe it was. I made sixty six hundred dollars, and then February it was like eight thousand, and then like March it was like fifteen thousand, and then like. Yeah. April was like nineteen thousand. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. But what's interesting to me is you were still making more money in the insurance business at the time, right? Mm-hmm. But this, I, I tell people all the time, the digital money hits different because right. you're not giving up your most valuable asset. That's a good point because I still was out trapping insurance. Yeah. I had to. I had to still sell those insurance policies because yeah. it wasn't as much, yeah. you know, to to do. But because I even though I walked away from the partnership. Yeah. I still had a couple of contracts. Yeah. Like I can still go out and do what I had to do. I didn't yeah. want to go to the hood, but I did. Yeah. Right. And the, and, but it got to the point where it's like, yo, I'm out of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then to add to that, um, this wasn't 2018. This was 2017. Excuse me. This was 2017. That's when I put myself in position to start studying for my Series 65. So from January until about May of that year, the money started, you know, started coming in. So I was able to study for my Series 65 so I can get that license. And I wasn't stressed out about having to go out. Because you actually had your time back with them. Correct. For those who don't know, that's the advisor license. Oh, yeah, 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 my bad. Yeah, 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 Yeah. financial planner license. So so that was actually 2017 when this happened. And then that was a good point because I I still was doing it. But when, when the money started coming in the way it was coming in, I didn't have to go out and disrespect myself for for commission. I can really focus in on getting my Series 65 and then forming um, an investment company, right? Gotcha. So. Okay. So, George brought your business acumen, and I love I love entrepreneurial conversations. I, mean, I feel like we don't have just enough open right. entrepreneurship conversations in here. So, what are some of the, the, the best tips or pieces of advice about entrepreneurship that you've heard in you know last year or two? Um, I think I, I, it's a lot, but I think one of the things I've realized personally is that your business is a reflection of you. You know, your, your, your customers is a reflection of you. Um, so you've got you've to inspect what you expect, meaning you, you have to look internally and you have to be what you're looking to do before you become that person. So you've got to start to be that person now. Mm. Because, you know, not to get all metaphysical, there is a quantum version of you in the, in the physical universe that has become the manifestation of the daily discipline that you've chosen to commit to today. Mm. So, so I say that to say, if you say, hey, look, I'm going to be that best version today, even if it means I'm going to wake up early, I'm going to read, I'm going to journal, I'm going to pray, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to work out. When I want to cuss somebody out, instead of me cussing them out, because I want to cuss them out, I'm going to call them beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to say thank you for this opportunity. And that is really what is a lot of the intangibles that I think that many entrepreneurs miss because their business is a reflection of them. But then the other thing too, the segue, and I already kind of alluded to this, is the consistency, right? So there's, where we are right now, there's a, there's a quote on the wall that says consistency is a cheat code. It's the only cheat code. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think just, just being consistent with whatever it is that you choose to do and then um, focus, follow one course until successful, so you literally just focus in on, hey, look, I'm going to, no matter whatever, whatever, what's going on with this and whatever's going on, I'm going to focus in. So if you choose to be that entrepreneur and you build your business strictly on social media, then focus on social media and only do social media. I mean, understand all the nuances of how social media works because you're going to become better at that side of business than anybody else because you're consistent and you chose to focus on it. But for, for me, I only legitimately focus on paid advertising. Like I legit still rarely post anything organically because yeah. I just chose to focus. I don't see your posts. I see your ads. Oh. True. <laughs> like, anytime you come my time, I'm like, okay, let's, can you post it? No, nah, it's just that. Okay, let's keep going. So if you could go back and start over again, mm-hmm. would you focus more on paid ads? When would you do this? Um, if I could start over again, what I would do, I would focus on, and this is a good question, Jackie. 
I focused so much on building an actual business that I failed to focus on building a brand. Let's go hit on that. And I, I've become Kenny Conwell is a brand, yeah. right? I've become a brand. So if I can start over again, I would put just as much effort into building a brand as I would as building a business. That's good. Because you know, from a direct response marketing um, standpoint, you know, I know to the penny how much it costs to acquire a customer, right? However it still becomes cost prohibitive if you don't have the brand associated with building the business. So although I have legitimately built up an asset, I'm still now focusing on building the brand. So that way, because you don't have to run paid advertising if you got a brand, like you don't got to, Ferrari doesn't have to run ads. Lamborghini don't have to run ads. Their customers don't watch commercials anyway. Right. Rolex ain't got to really run ads because <laughs> yeah, right. they built a brand, uh -huh. right? So if I could start back from the beginning, I would put that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bar. That's a bar. That's um, what I would I was, legit. That's what I would focus on. I would build just as much effort as because it's almost like this. Direct response marketing is a scientific way to grow a company. And I heard. Can you, um, can you go into what direct response marketing is? Yeah, yeah. Direct response marketing means you know the keep it as simple that the, the for layman's terms. You, I don't got to sell you if you had a headache that you need BC powder, aspirin, whatever the case is, like whatever it is. I don't got to sell you on that. So the only thing I've got to be able to do is position my, my pain pill in front of you. Gotcha. Because you already, you already know you need it. You already, you already know you need it. So now from a direct response marketing perspective, now I'm only going to speak to a group of people who I know has already communicated or alluded to that they have this pain. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pop up on your timeline and I'm going to start speaking about, hey, you got this headache? Man, you probably, you probably, whatever the pain points of a headache is, mm -hmm. I'm going to say all that. And if you want to relieve the headache, all you got to do, click the link just below <laughs> this video and I'm going to show you step by step in 30 seconds or 15 minutes how your headache can be gone. Right. So that's direct response marketing, whoever asks that. Um, and it's important to be able to do that because if you know how to acquire a customer, you know how to communicate the pain pills. I think most entrepreneurs start off in business, George said this, is they try to force feed what they believe the person should have, as opposed to listening to what the market is saying and then providing them the pain pill. And then once they have the pain pill, hey, I got these vitamins for sale too. Mm. Right? So now what happens is that because you relieve their pain, they're going to be 10 times more likely to buy the vitamins from you because you've already demonstrated and proven that your pain pill will solve their pain, mm. right? So if we couple that back to what your original question was, which what I, what I would focus on a lot more, it would, be, it would be still the branding aspect of that coupled with the direct response marketing aspect. And Alex Famosier, if I'm saying his name correctly, he said this, and it was so, so crazy. He now, if you guys look, he started to focus on building his personal brand. Right. Yeah. Even though he had made Hundred, I would say close to hundred million. Yeah, doing yeah, yeah. over hundred million, doing straight up direct response marketing. But he now doesn't even have to do any of that stuff mm -hmm. because his brand presence is so massive. He just drops something out, and it's just like it's just equity. What's going on, guys? George Ashton Pong here, and I am the founder of Melanin Money, the number one brand for wealth builders of color. You know, I look at wealth building like a sport. In every sport, you gotta have a uniform. And so what is the official uniform for wealth builders of color? That's where Melanin Money comes in. So if you go to melaninmoney.com and use code MELANIN15, you'll get 15% off your order of the entire store. And I think you're gonna absolutely love our latest editions, right? It's literally a um, productized emotion of what it feels like to build black wealth, right? But you get to wear it. Um, you get to share the world, like your hard work that you're doing on this journey of building wealth. And we can't wait for you to join Team Black Wealth by shopping melaninmoney.com. Yeah. Right. He, he made a, uh, an Instagram post about how Kylie Jenner became, became a billionaire before him. He had to humble himself and say she's smarter than me in some aspects of business. And one of those aspects was building a brand. Right. So um, he did that couple. He had a conversation with Grant Cardone, which he paid $100,000 for. And Grant simply told him, "You need to you need to post more. If you you know if people don't see you, if they don't know you, they can't follow you." Know right? So now he, he's spending upwards of forty thousand dollars a month on content creation because it's important to build your brand. To your right. point, when your 
brand is strong, your cost your cost per lead goes down. Right. Where your brand is where your brand is strong, that 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 cost per acquisition client acquisition comes down because they they already kind of know you. Right. And now they're gonna click on your ad. It goes back to the the, the no like trust formula. Right. right. It's like. At, at, certain, at the small business level, you go to the basketball game, you see Pepsi, you see Coca-Cola. You can't fathom, like, what, like are they making money from that? Like, you, you see the banner, you don't think they're making money from it. But what they're doing is they're establishing trust, mm-hmm. right? So so when I do go to buy that soft drink, I'm constantly reminded, like, well, that Coke is probably the better choice. Not because it necessarily tastes better, just, because I'm more familiar with it, and now I associate it with it, right? right. So you were going to say something before he asked the direct response marketing question about, you said the science of direct response marketing, but it sounds like you're going to talk about maybe the the art of. Um, I, I think I, I don't really remember what I was going to say specifically, but what I am going to communicate so that way entrepreneurs can understand how powerful this is. Like with the branding, is that when when you have a brand that actually becomes an actual asset, like the brand itself is an asset. So right. you don't necessarily have to pay as much money to acquire a customer, even though you're willing to pay. So it's almost like. If you couple, so here's what I was going to say. It, it kind of gets a little frustrating because there are people who have phenomenal brands online and am I able to cuss? Or, Go for they it. have shitty products. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what the fuck? This is what we're doing? Yeah. And, but it doesn't matter because publicly they're a brand and people see and respect and like the brand and, and who's to say that their iPhone is not justifiable for their group of people. Mm. So their individuals may not know that it's a terrible product or whatever whoever it is, but it doesn't matter. So now you have to be able to say, okay, if I'm building up a brand, let me also associate making sure I have a good customer experience, a good product, a good you know business model on the back end to fulfill mm. on my promise. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the other thing is that you can be so focused on building a brand right. that you don't put together a good business model. And then now we can, we can also point to people who had a great brand and then because they didn't necessarily do the back end jank, I mean, the back end stuff, people as- associate them with, Oh, this person doesn't deliver, or right. this person's a scam. It's to tarnish their brand. Yeah, and yeah. it tarnishes the brand. So now, because they didn't do the necessary work to have an actual business, then they look tricky. It's almost like it's almost like credit. You know, going making it full circle. If you don't, if you don't get your personal finances in order, don't have the right mindset about money, you might be able to finesse your way into getting a, a, a good credit score, getting some stuff removed, yeah. and getting seven hundred. But you're gonna find yourself right back into mm-hmm. six hundred to five hundreds because you don't have the habit. Right, yeah. right. So you might be able to finesse your way into letting people think that I'm the person that you should work with because of my brand. But if you come in and then you don't deliver, now you're going to tarnish the brand. Right, yeah. right. So, yeah. And I think, um, and Jack, I'll, I'll let you go next. Um, you, you've actually been asking the best questions of this interview. So, you're doing a great job. <laughs> well, one thing you said before we get too far away from it offline, you mentioned that it's ten times easier or cheaper to get a customer to rebuy than to get a new customer. Absolutely. Right? So Absolutely. I think what's so important, we talk about this brand stuff, right? Because if you build a good brand, you have a crappy product on, a, on the back end, mm-hmm. nobody's going to buy from you again. Mm-mm. Right? So it's so important that we build a good brand and then we have a good product because once somebody buys something one time, right, they'll probably buy from us again. Yeah, I think it's a combination of having a good, having a good brand and a good business. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I disappear for the rest of the year, I'm not going to lose any money. It's still going to work because I've put together a bit a good business system, save you some time, energy, and money. So when you when you connect the brand with the business, it becomes unreasonably disrespectful because now it's just like <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> right? Like I don't give a shit, right? And you can, and it's almost like this. Like I don't want to call out any certain you know spiritual leaders but some of these people have done some janky things yeah but their brand is so strong they they their 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 members will go to the death yeah protecting yeah their 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 fearless leader leader. because not only have they built a good brand they got good operations in place with the with the church yeah right or or the spiritual organization i'm gonna say yeah so i think uh, to your point i think it's not just um, the brand, if we have the brand with a great um, business model on the back end, great team, great pit, um, um, systems, but I think there's a, a, another unspoken thing is good good company culture, right? Making sure when you start to really grow, and this is really, I was talking with my accountability meeting, uh, my accountability partner today, and I was like, man, 
I think the reason why I haven't made eight figures yet is because I've been thinking like a seven-figure person. Right? I've been thinking like a seven-figure person, meaning I've been so focused on doing the financial leverage, I haven't applied the leverage principles that I teach financially in business. So now I'm realizing that, and when I say in business, what I mean is like to, to take it to eight and nine figures. Yeah. So now I'm realizing that, hey, look, man, my true customer isn't my customer. My true customer is my team. My true customer is the people who believe in the vision. My true customer is making sure, hey, look, let me check in with you. What we got going on today? You know, how's, how's life going on? Because mm -hmm. they're the ones behind the scenes that's going to make sure that the system, the product, the business itself continues to flow. And, and, and now I've just like really shifted my focus to, you know, recurring revenue, but also making sure I serve my number one customer, which is my team. Because they're going to serve the, the customers and the clients. Correct. Right. They're, they're, the, they're the maximum leverage that you have is like, because the more, because that now you're dupl anything that you used to have to do yourself, right? The more you can offload that to people, that's mm -hmm. where the leverage comes from. Correct. Right. And then they go out and then they fulfill the mission. And that gives you the, the ability to always focus on flying the plane. Right. And, right. and, and it's so, so key to have core values, guys, and mission, vision, and principles. Like, I, I didn't used to, I used to think that was like fluffy stuff. I, I, I still think that. And I know that's a limiting belief in my entrepreneurship journey right now. Um, and it may, it may be, right? I, don't, I can't say if it is or isn't, but you just have to look at your results. But when you, when you, when you look at, okay, how does my team communicate when I'm not around? What are they saying? What are they communicating to the customers? Because at the end of the day, one of my mentors told me this, the business is the product. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a personal financial advisor that you could ask questions to, to help you navigate, you know, spending decisions, help you, you know, figure out investments that make sense for you to help you achieve financial success? Well, you no longer have to wonder that because we created that inside the Melanin Millionaires Club with our flagship feature, Pocket Advisor. With Pocket Advisor, it's just like it sounds. You have an advisor right in your pocket where you can ask a real expert, real questions in real time to help you navigate your journey towards financial success. So if you want to learn more about that, click the link in the show notes, go to melaninmoney.com forward slash pocket advisor to learn how you can get an advisor in your pocket for less than $2 a day. Right. So many people are working in the business and then they, they say, I want to work on the business, but you really should work above the business. Right. Because if you're working above the business and the business is truly an asset, then an asset should produce cash flow free and clear of your, your time, effort and energy. So the only way that happens is I've got to work above the business. So we look at core values. Right. Um, I created mine. Mine's super simple. It's credit. Right. Customer service. Right. It stands for C. R is ruthlessly transparent, so that way we, as a company, we're transparent. We're communicating that with the actual community. Excellence in all we do, right? So excellence is huge. Done is better than perfect, right? So although we're striving for excellence, hey, look, we gotta get stuff done, right? We're not. We didn't have the iPhone 13, 14, whatever, whatever version they came with the iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I for integrity. Right. So I, I can't trust you if, if you say one thing and you do another. And if I can't trust you, team members can't trust you. Customers can't trust you. So this is important. And then teamwork, credit. Like that is our core values. And I preach that to the team. So that way, when I'm not around, when Kenny's not here, they know that our focus from a company perspective is literally credit. But not from the credit standpoint of getting credit, but literally the credit standpoint of what I just spoke out. And I think that core value or infusing that in the culture helps the overarching product, i.e. the business, the asset that you produced, help you continue to create cash flow and just not really have to work as hard, right? It's my fucking good. Stop, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 So you talked a lot about the business behind the scenes, the business that you built, and you talked a lot about if you've gone back, you would have built a friend. So since that's my focus, I've got to focus on the brand, right? I've got to focus on the team and I have to do that. It doesn't mean that 
um, if you're starting out that you focus solely on the brand because you may be in that zero to six figure stage. And if you're in that stage, you know, I'm not saying screw the brand, but bro, you need to eat. You need to put on a ski mask. You need to go, <laughs> you, know what I mean? you need to go do, you know, ski mask, figuratively speaking, don't go rob a bank, yeah, yeah. but you need to learn how to transact business. Revenue so, generating activities. Correct. Yeah. So if you're in that phase of business, I would put maybe um, a larger percentage of your time on getting money and making money. And then when you can strategically post about what you were able to do, post about the results you achieved. Then when you get to that, I would say right at about the half a million dollar phase, maybe the half a million to a million dollar phase. At that point, I would start to put a strategic, strategic focus on not just getting money, but team. Right. And then making sure not only do you understand how the business works, but you can now start to replace yourself. And mm -hmm. then now the people in the beginning who started with you, they know not only about the business, but they understand the brand and is really infusing the brand, the core message. Like what is the purpose of the brand? Right. And just, just driving that home while you're still getting the money. And then once you get past that, like the seven to eight figure mark, when you're in, you're in that million to trying to bust through 10 million i'm realizing personally that it's about team it's about brand it's about creating a movement a culture a culture internally but a culture publicly mm -hmm. so now people want to be associated with you they want right. to be associated with that so now not only can they can we pop up on somebody's timeline we can now have other ambassadors who are or just like the, the example I, I shared about the pastor or the spiritual leader um, who may have uh, have had janky um, situations, but because they built such a large cult following, like a loyal, like, I mean, in, in, like loyal people because they served them. It don't matter. Right. You can, you know, do whatever you do and they still going to be loyal to you because you've built up such a brand presence to mm -hmm. where you would literally have to run somebody over with a car mm -hmm. and, you know. Mm -hmm. And they still well they well the car was messed up because yeah. they <laughs> yeah, right, right 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 so it was that Tesla that auto autopilot yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. the autopilot you know what I mean yeah. so that that's really you know so I guess if you're at that phase is really just choosing well were you deciding because you know where you are in business are you in that first phase which is what I would say like the self employed phase where you're 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 working for the money are you in the uh, uh, the business phase where the business is starting to produce cash flow? You can still work for the money. Or are you at that that uh, higher stage where you say, look, I got the cash flow, I got good business. I want to take it to where I have a movement and mm -hmm. start to build that, right? So it's, it's mm -hmm. being strategic with how you use the resources. Yeah. Right? I also think what's important too is like being crystal clear on what you want. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's like some people, like they know that I want to, do brand part partnerships and I want to be the face of other people's businesses because of the trust that I built. You know what I'm saying? Granted, that is a business in and of itself. Yes. But just like knowing like what you want. Like for example, the what you what you want, some of the things I want. Like everybody doesn't want that. Right? Right. Everybody doesn't want to build a massive billion dollar ecosystem enterprise. You know what I'm saying? So it's mm -hmm. like I think it's very important to understand what you want. Even David said publicly, like, I don't know if I want to be a, a billionaire, billionaire because of what yeah. it takes to become a be a billionaire. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like Understanding what you want, I think, is key. Uh, self self awareness and really just being in tune with yourself. So, I guess I say all that to say, um, what are some things that you do to practice self awareness, right? Because when you're in this entrepreneurial journey, oh, this is good, right? When you're in this entrepreneurial journey, you're like you're you're running towards these targets and these things that you want to accomplish. How do you recalibrate? How do you know, like, if you're off? I have this quote that I live by that the true root of all disease, i.e., dis ease, not being at ease, is being disconnected from oneself. Mm. Right, so I'm curious, like how how do you how do you have self awareness? How do you practice that? Can I get an amen? Um, this is this is a this is this is a deep this is a whole this is a whole interview in itself right here. This question, um, I think, I think the biggest thing is you, you just have to you have to you have to look at how you last interacted with whatever whoever whatever it was, right? Like, because we're all in school, the life school, right? Mm -hmm. So um, life school never ends. It's a beautiful thing. We're always we're always in session. And um, once upon a time, I, I used to um, talk bad about my customers, right? I used, to, I used to, you know, say Fs and Ds and S because they, they would piss me off. And I realized, like, Kenny, 
these people are financing your lifestyle. Talk bad about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was my accountability partner and my significant other, Donnie, was like, well, why are you talking bad about these people? These people are financing your lifestyle. So I had to shift my perspective and I started calling them beautiful customers because they're all beautiful. We're all beautiful. I have my Kirks and all these, my, my things that I you know, drive people up a wall through and however. So what I really do to, to try to stay self-aware, number one is journal. Right, so I I do my best to journal my thoughts, whatever I'm feeling, and just write it down because I find when I'm journaling and I can go back and read how I was feeling at that point, I can really and and and, and I used to journal um, in the morning about what I was going to do that day, but now what I do when I journal is I journal about the activities I did the day before. And how I interacted with whoever I interacted with. Did this person get me to the place where um, I wanted to cuss them out, right? Um, or I wanted to do something that was, that was um, you know, not becoming of who I am as a man. So what I now realize is when I'm journaling, it's helping me see, okay, well, there, that, was an, that, was a, that was an opportunity in school where normally you would have had time. Normally you would have been petty. Normally you would have you came for this person. But you chose to turn the other cheek, as they say, and not have time because you're so focused on something else high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember listening to some 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 video, man. It was this one time, and somebody made me mad, man. Like they they got into my skin. And this video basically said, "He who controls you, I mean, who he who angers you controls you, mm-hmm. right?" So now it's like, yo, emotional intelligence is a mm-hmm. huge thing. Yep. Is realizing that hey, look, we're all imperfectly perfect people, and when you have unspoken communi- unspoken expectations for other people, and not voicing that, mm-hmm. now what starts to happen is you're not even realizing that you're holding this other person to this to this high level or disagree because mm-hmm. of something that you haven't communicated about what their expectation is to them, and they so, don't know now, so they don't know what they're doing wrong, right? Yeah. Unwritten contracts, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And then now they've got this unwritten contract, and they're like, "Well, well, you didn't tell me I had this unwritten contract." Yeah. F you, yeah. and then this is like, "Well, F you," and then now yeah. it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure." So I think I think that's I think that's a big part of it is just the journaling and being self aware, but also praying, you know, praying and um, meditating and realizing that we're we're not perfect. But everybody has an opportunity to, um, we, we all are strong and weak in other areas and we all have blind spots. So um, being able to trust people enough, especially those closest to you, so they can expose you. And what I mean by that is expose the, 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 the mask that you're posing for other people. And many of us don't even know how to even get exposed. Right. Most of us, we don't want to be exposed because we're so used to putting on the mask that we need to do this and we're not transparent with ourselves. So I think it's also that mm-hmm. is, you know, trusting those individuals who who, you know, truly um, have no ill will against you. They're just trying to share another perspective, because mm-hmm. typically what I've found is when you are listening to somebody say something about you. Whether it's true or not, there's there's still some truth from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what can you do differently based off the truth that they're giving you about what you're doing to them that can help you become a better person? Because clearly something in that interaction is triggering you right. to become a better person. Yeah. Right. So hope that hope that, no, that answers it that wholeheartedly. Yeah. It, it made me think about the my, my insurance days and the chargeback days. <laughs> And um, the question, you've heard me say this before. Charles back still pissed me off, and, you, and you've heard me say this before, and he knows what I'm about to say, too. But, like, I had to ask myself. So this was this was back when Barack was in office, and I was like, if Barack called me the night before and said, I need you in D.C., the next morning I would, at 8 o'clock, I'd be there at 7. Why? Because I wouldn't, wouldn't imagine disrespecting Barack. So I had this thought. I was like, what, what did I do to allow this person to think that doing this was okay? Even if you didn't, even if you can't really tangibly quantify what you did, it forces you to look internally to figure out, like, is there something I can do to, like, where people can't fathom disrespecting my time? They can't fathom being late, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I become such a man of value to where it, a person, it doesn't even cross their mind that I could disrespect this person in any way. Right? Yeah, that's... And it just forces you to become better, even if there wasn't something tangible in that moment that you did wrong. Right. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. Is that unattainable? 
is what I'm saying. Like that you'll never be disrespectful. Well, I mean, it, but it, it puts you in control over it. Yeah. Somebody disrespects you, you can get mad at them, or you can be like, you know what, Carter, what 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 are you doing wrong right. that will allow somebody to think that it's okay with coming coming at you this way? I think it lessens the likelihood, right? So, for example, like imagine you got, we all got two friends. We got one person that's always gonna be late. And so when you get ready to go, go to meet that person, you're like, shit, I ain't really got to rush. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Because they, they've they conditioned you to know that's how they move. You got the one person that's there 30 minutes early. Like, God damn, he, he already there. Let me get my... Yeah. So when you understand that, right, it's like, how can my actions, how, how can everything I do be a reflection of me? So whereas like people now, I'm teaching people I'm how to train. I'm training other people how to treat me. Mm-hmm. Through my through my behaviors, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it doesn't it doesn't make it fail proof, but I think it does lessen it a lot because people are like, oh no, nah, Kenny, he he gonna be there. He was I told him two fifteen the time change. He was out there too at two fifteen, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right? So it's like you 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 teach people how to treat you through your own actions. I think it's never gonna be zero because y'all gonna have you know assholes and people who just are what they are. But like it does lessen it for sure. I feel like Jackie has a different perspective. She wants to share. Or, or, no, no, no. Uh, I was thinking, I was like, okay, so you would never disrespect Obama's time, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I don't think he holds himself to that standard. Because then I feel like you would just open up the floodgates for you to be let down. That's what I'm saying now. You'd be like, why would this person ever disrespect my time? And it's like, it's not even that. Like you said, you yeah. Know, it, people, but yeah. right. it, how you fix that is when they do, you just you just don't let, give them the opportunity to do it again, right? right. Like, if somebody disrespects you, like, it's like, all right, oh, cool, I get it. You know, I'm just gonna like, cut you out of my life, so this don't. Ha- I'm gonna I'm make sure it don't happen again. Right. You know, by that. Like, or or, or, or not even that extreme. Yeah. That or, or not even that extreme, and just being like, like to D- David's point yesterday on the podcast, like, um, what is it? Why, why, why is this bothering me so much? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. am I letting this get to me? So much? is it that is it that deep? Right? Or am I on my high horse and being okay with like just humbling yourself in every situation? You know what I'm saying? Like, but I think it takes that takes self awareness, and you have to always internally decipher: is it that deep or is it not that deep? Right. Um, I do I, I do all the time with my wife. You know what I'm saying? Like with little things. I'm sure she has to do it for me if she's watching this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you just I, yeah, I think it's just it's a constant to your point, like school, life school. Right. Yeah. I think every situation is going to be. Unique, right? If I'm meeting with a certain person and they really, I really needed to be them to be there on time and they disrespect my time, maybe I dress it one way. But if I'm if it's lunch and I'm pretty free and it's a Saturday and they're running 15 minutes late, cool. And pop out my phone, let me read something. Like I think it's just a case by case basis. Yeah, I think it is, but I also yeah. think it's being able to look at something objectively, right? I think yeah. that that's a skill that all of us should try to master, right? Because right. a lot of times you look at that situation and I say, wow. Y'all was 20 minutes late today. Like, yeah. I was here on time, ready to go. Like, yeah, right. I should be mad, right, that y'all are not on time. But I'm mm-hmm. looking at it objectively. Like, oh, they're from out of town. They maybe didn't know about timing. They had to get an Uber, right? Yeah. So Somebody like, didn't book the hotel, right? You know, had to rebook yeah, it. Yeah, you know. Hotel, right? So looking at the situation yeah. objectively instead of saying, y'all are disrespecting me yeah. and my time. Like, mm-hmm. just saying, like, oh, like, they were going to what is the point of lowering my vibration and being upset about oh, it? Oh, now you're talking spicy. Yeah, so, so now that that, that, that that triggers something in me when you were saying that, Jackie, because now, because this is a, this is a constant battle that, that um, I mean, all entrepreneurs have an ego, right? Yeah. But there's a such thing as having a healthy ego and unhealthy ego. Yeah. So what you're really saying or what triggered me and what you're saying is like, I have maybe an unhealthy version of my ego to where I'm like, well, you're disrespecting me, mm, right? Yeah. Or are they disrespecting you? Or is it really the ego that's feeling disrespected that's causing you not to feel like you're looking at the situation objectively? You know, it said you should get a health checkup at least once a year. My question is, when's the last time you had a financial health checkup? My guess, it's probably been a while. And that's why we created the Wealth Health Score. Whether you're financially out of shape or financially elite, the Wealth Health Score is going to tell you exactly where you stand and what things you can do to get into the best financial health possible. So visit MyWealthHealthScore.com to get your score today. Right. So sometimes I feel like sometimes I know I've done this. I I create this unhealthy version yeah. of myself where I'm like eight feet tall. Yeah, my time like, is so important. No, you ain't got nothing yeah. to do in the next 30 minutes. Like, oh, oh, I'm going to give you a funny story on this. <laughs> I'm going to give you a funny story on this. <laughs> no, no. I got to give it. You got to give it. This was I gotta give big, yo, 10 years ago. You're going to bring this back up. The back with me and Kenny. Oh, my God. Back with me and roommates, right? He was so... <laughs> he was so like hardline to say about his time and his kid. And a lot of that actually rubbed off on me. Match had to uh, match had to help me unravel that a little bit. But he, I mean, Kenny's like, 
I mean, down to the, the second, right? Like his schedule, like everything was planned out relentlessly, right? And so I had left something in his car, I think, or something like that. And it was a Monday. I was like, yo, bro, I think I left something in your car. Uh, you mind like grabbing it for me when you get a chance? Um, and it was nighttime. Maybe he was reading or something. He's like, yeah, I, I, I think I can, I can get it on Thursday. <laughs> it's Monday. He's like, yeah, I, I can check it out before my schedule or something like that. I, I said, Nick, bro. <laughs> bro. Y'all roommates still? Yeah, at the time. Bro, bro, your emergency is not my fault. You're my fault. He said, I can check first thing in the morning. This dude said, Thursday. Yeah, like, I have stuff going on. Like, I, I didn't mean it like that. It's like, yo, I didn't drop it in the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to ask you this question and you can feel free to go as deep on it or as not deep on it as you want to. Um, so I think as men as successful entrepreneurs, right, we, we think we want a significant other that's on our level as far as they're hungry and they want to build a business as well and things like that. But some people can't handle the caveats that come with a spouse like that. Mm. They're going to be busy. They're going to be, they're not going to be able to cook because they're going to be there. They have a business to build as well. You have a very motivated significant other. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that, and what some things that that you've learned or have to come to terms with with having a spouse that's like you know mentally, financially, a business wise on your level? I would say um, what what we what we do is we keep the main thing between us the main thing, which is we love each other, right? And um, like like for example this morning we uh i was super tired last night like i um we went went to her house and we were supposed to go back to my house and i we just i we stayed at her house mm-hmm. but i knew this morning that that would mean that i would have to get up early in the morning and i knew that would mean that i would have to go back get her car make sure i did my stuff this morning mm-hmm. and then come back to make sure she was good and i have an issue doing that so i think in this um in this in this example what happens is, is that whenever she needs me to serve her because i love her i don't care about the accolades and all the stuff that she has going on because i'm serving her and then and then vice versa so it's kind of it's interesting so we both do it when she needs to be when i need to be her personal assistant i'm a personal assistant but at the same time she becomes the same thing with me and then we realize too um from like a cooking perspective and Nurture perspective is like, hey, listen, um, I honestly don't know how to wash my own clothes. Now, I know how to wash clothes, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know how to use a washer and dryer at my house. Um, I, I'm out of that. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, which is a good thing. Right? Like, yeah, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a revenue generating activity or something you should be spending your, your, your time right. on. Yeah. And, and I don't want her doing that either. Yeah. Right? I, I think she probably knows how to do it, maybe. <laughs> um, but I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is yeah. we're not going to get to the end of our life and say, man, I wish I would wash more clothes yeah. right? or do these other activities. So I feel like what we do that helps us is that we keep the main thing the main thing and we realize that we are no one is more important than the other. Um, and this is going to sound really weird. Um, and she agrees. And I think men and women need to understand is that men and women are not equal. We're complementary. So I've never tried to be donnie's equal and she's never tried to be my equal we complement each other as partners because there's certain things that i do that she's way um way stronger at than me mm-hmm. and then vice versa so since we we never try to come out with oh we're, we're equal um no we're, we complement each other and in certain things you know we're equal but really i'm not trying to have a baby i can't have a baby physically yeah so i'm not going to try to be equal to her in that in that right so i'm going to compliment her and she's going to compliment me and i think that has a lot to do with the the success of our relationship, right? Um, and we really, you know, hey, listen, like it, it feel good. You know, if I'm being tra- transparent, she bought me this. <laughs> she good. bought me this for my birthday. That's like, good. That's you know, good. so it, it feels good to 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 have someone who can, you know, do do those things financially. But we don't even look at it that way. It's almost like 
how can we complement each other? How can we serve each other? And then if we're doing business together, how can we partner and be good and realize that two plus two, when we come together, equals like seven, equals like eight. Yeah. Because there's certain, yeah, there's certain things that we're able to do collectively together that's just like, yo, this is crazy. And so, so from a domestic standpoint, we just either I'll get the food or she'll get the food. Um, but I think it's still just realizing that we keep the main thing, the main thing between us, which is we love each other, right? And then everything else falls, we, everything else business-wise we'll figure out. Yeah. Everything else professionally we'll figure out. But I feel like we just keep the main thing, the main thing, which is at the end of the day, and um, George pointed this out to us, we are choosing each other. Like we don't, we're not in a relationship because we need each other. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a beautiful thing. We're in a relationship because we truly love each other and we're choosing to be with each other. So we're also at the same time choosing to drive each other crazy when we do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're also choosing to endure that because we understand the beautiful thing that, that we've created. So Yeah. And one gym that I want, I want people to overlook is the complimentary piece. It's just like, I think that's where a lot of friction can come from. Is like, well, I'm good at this. And... and are you equally as good at this? And you don't have to be, right? right. That's, that's where the, the partnership comes into play, right. right? It's like there's a lot of things I can point out to Madge that she, you know, doesn't do naturally, organically, and vice versa. A lot of mm -hmm. things that she can do for me. So it's not about like, well, I'm superior in this regard and you're not, and that makes me a little bit better. It's like that's perfect because right. now we're complementing each other in synergy mm -hmm. versus trying to compete yeah. with each other. And I think early on in our relationship, we did we did do a, we used to do that, but we've grown past. And I think all couples probably get to a point where they kind of feel like one is superior to another. And she's, she, you know, I also think this randomly. I think men, I mean, I think women are smarter than men. Honestly, I think they are. Um, I just think men are just more logical. So when you understand how smart women truly are, like how smart they are, you realize that, yo, that's a weapon. So let me, <laughs> let me nurture her yeah, to make man. sure, because she's going to come up with a better idea than I can come up with. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the other things that I've realized is like, you know, just let me nurture her and let me, because what she's going to, what she's going to do is she's going to take whatever it is that I give her, whether it's hell or peace, she's going to incubate that and present it back to me. Right? Ooh, that's good. That's what she does. So yeah. so normally when I'm giving her any type of whatever, whether it's a business, whatever it is, mm -hmm. she'll, so the other day I was um, on the way to get some lunch and she's like, hey, Kenny, I saw this this website. I think you should redo your copy this way in your, on your site. And I was thinking that you should probably think your movement should be this. I said, oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. Right? And then, but she, we have been having these conversations before. So it's incubating in mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. So now when she comes back and pre presents this to me, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is great. Mm -hmm. um, but then vice versa. If there's like an idea or something like that, because we joke about this all the time. I am not good with social media. Like, I'm just not. People think I am, mm -hmm. but I am not a social media person. She's a, she's phenomenal. Social media, speaking. Mm -hmm. I also am, I'm actually scared of public speaking. Like, yeah. I, I don't like public speaking. Okay. I, get, I get clammy. I get uncomfortable. I start sweating. I'm not cool with that. Shut <laughs> <laughs> <Straight> up. Yeah. <laughs> Most people would never know this. Yeah. But, but, I, but she is completely opposite. You know, she will not even know what she's going to speak about. Like, minutes before... Whatever it is, and she will crush it. I saw her black equity con. She she, she she had no clue what she was speaking about. <laughs> I knew she, she didn't, but she probably killed it yeah, because killed that's it, yeah. that's that's one of her strong points. Mm -hmm. So we we really now realize that hey, look, there's things that she's strong at that I'm not good at, and there's things that I'm strong at that's maybe not her strength, and we just we just kind of rock and roll, right? Mm -hmm. We don't we don't we don't make um the the role or the whatever it is more important we just say look this is this is you know what you want to do and i support you in that yeah. you know i think the other thing is people miss if you're not strong in something you might not understand the value so you discredit what that person is good at and think that they should be equally as good in something as right well. i think that's that you know what i'm saying even that's from good. a business perspective right so let's say someone is good at the branding side but someone else is might be more good at the the technical side of running the business if a person who's not good at branding, they might undervalue that and think, well, mm -hmm. I can't be as good as you need to do something else because right. I'm doing all this technical stuff behind the scenes. You're branding, but what they don't realize is that's something of equal value. So it's very important to understand the complementary value that somebody provides because mm -hmm. if not, you'll discredit it as well. Yeah. And you said something too before. Like you said, when you're closest to the light, you get blinded by it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes even with all of our significant others, um, family, you know, you don't realize the light that they're shining in your life and you're getting blinded because you're sometimes too close. 
So some, so take a take a step back and just really just recognize that this person is adding value to you if you choose to view it that way. Because you know what you focus on expands. I've been saying this for years. And if you view things from a cynical standpoint, trust me, you will figure out a problem in that. You're going to find a way to you know figure out this. But if you look at the other thing and you start to affirm things, oh, you're such a peace, peaceful person. Oh, you're such a beautiful person. Oh, you have such a great memory. And you, and you speak life into these other individuals in your life, you'll start to now realize that, hey, look, me speaking this, I'm actually manifesting that behavior in you, and that's actually what I want, but I'm not focusing on the negative. Right. I'm focusing on the positive. Right. And it doesn't mean that negative's not going to happen. Right. We just figure out, hey, look, let me just figure out a, a, an effective way to communicate how I feel, because I feel like also sometimes we, we try to, when someone's exposing you, right, again, because we have these poses up, you try to defend your position as opposed to listening to what they're communicating on how it made them feel. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that what they did was wrong or whatever. You need to understand or hear what they're right. communicating because they're exposing a side of you that you didn't even realize you were doing to them, right? Mm -hmm. Or that you could be projecting to other people, right? right? That's a whole fact. Yeah. Well, man, this is good. this is probably one of the more well-rounded. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This is, this is conversations good. that we had. Yeah. So, man, we appreciate the gems, appreciate the insight. And the last question we always ask our guests is, uh, "What does being a melanin millionaire mean to you?" Uh, example on other melanin millionaires that you can do other potential melanin millionaires that you got, you can do the same exact thing. Um, I think yeah, that and um it's our time you know it's our time you know we we have we have an opportunity here and if me as a melanin millionaire if there's anything i can do to encourage you to become one that's my goal right because there's nothing different between me and you um the only thing is i just maybe did a little bit longer than you but if you get the right blueprint like these guys have you too can be a melanin millionaire as well and those people um the next two or three generations can be benefiting from the decisions that you made today right so now when we start talking about the eliminating the wealth gap i think that's also what it means is that hey look as a melanin millionaire i've stepped into the purpose of eliminating the wealth gap and now i want you to do it too because that's that that is your birthright so awesome well guys what more is there to say until next time peace peace Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Melanin Money Show. If you like this episode, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a five-star review. And if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend because we're providing this valuable game so that you can level up as an aspiring melanin millionaire. Again, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.